Let the church say amen. amen. Uh, one more time, let the church say amen. It's left out, but I also wanted to acknowledge Steve and Labette, even though uh, I haven't had the opportunity to get to know them as well as you all have. Uh, they have been very, very welcoming to me and my family. And uh, I recall when we first came in, when we uh, drove up here and was unpacking and everything, Steve would uh, come by the house maybe every other day because he caught a problem that uh, we didn't catch. Uh, we had a, uh, a pipe that happened to leak and it uh, got our carpet wet in a specific area of the house that we would not have thought to think about. And Steve caught it and Steve would come by and he would go the extra mile to make sure that it was taken care of. And uh, so Steve, thank you so much for that. I'll try not to take offense that you all are leaving because of my... <laughs> I understand the Lord is, is calling you all. But seriously, thank you. And I know Labette is not in here, but please tell her thank you if I don't get the chance. And I also, uh, you know, if you will oblige me just uh, briefly, I am uh, very, very excited. I have some old uh, friends who surprised me and Stephanie. Uh, some folks who used to attend St. Rock. They have since moved since uh, ooh, a couple of years ago now, maybe. Leslie one year, and then the Denises a couple of years. But they are very, very dear uh, friends of ours. They played a major role in the life of St. Rock. Leslie, if you don't mind standing just so people can see you, so you know how I do. Uh, Leslie actually served as one of the references for me for this church. So uh, thank you, Leslie. <laughs> and Mitch and Anna, uh, they have done a number of things in the life of St. Rock, but one of the things that meant so much to me and my wife, they led uh, the way in me and my wife becoming first-time homeowners. And they uh, played a role, a lead role in building the house that we are now trying to sell. <laughs> so, uh, so it is good. We didn't know they were coming. We just pulled into the parking lot, and there they were. So... Uh, it is good to see them. And yes. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, last week, if you were here, uh, we talked a little a bit about, well, we talked about Jesus. Hopefully you got that. But uh, <laughs> we saw how Jesus declared that he had come for the sick. He had come for the sinner, not those who thought they were righteous. And the angle that we took with that uh, wanted us to see ourselves uh, in our next season of ministry. And again, not to say that we haven't been that, but just so you can hear it again from me, I want us to be a place where sinners, where those who are struggling, when those who are down and out feel like they can come and be welcomed in our midst, and not only welcomed, but find this to be a place of transformation as Christ provides that for them. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about a faith that God acknowledges. A faith that God acknowledges. So having said that, I'll invite you to rise if you're physically able. My subject is derived from... James chapter 1, and specifically verse number 27. 
James 1 and verse number 27. I'll read it and then I will pray briefly and you can take your seats. Hear now the word of the Lord. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let me read that one more time. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, we ask your blessings upon us now as we come to this portion in the service where we look to hear from you, from your word. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our time in the word. Pray that you would provide what it is you would have us to not only know, but by your spirit, aid us in the things you're calling us to do or not do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would imagine that James, or at the very least, this verse, uh, perhaps is quite familiar uh, to many, if not most folks in here. James is, uh, he, I like James a lot. James, for me, uh, is a very, very healthy reminder that we are called to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Anytime that I read through James, I am reminded that I am not only called to profess uh, my Lord and Savior in word, but I am also called to live out that profession in deed. If you're not familiar with James, you should read through it. It's a very short letter. Uh, James is perhaps most well known for uh, declaring that faith without works is dead. In other words, James is not, he's not overly impressed if you were to say to him, well, I believe in the Trinity. James would say, okay, good. And if you were to say, well, James, I believe Jesus is uh, fully human, and he's also fully man, James would say, good, and? In other words, James seems to be concerned with how that profession of faith looks when it comes to your interactions with others. I somewhat alluded to this two sermons ago when we talked about loving one's neighbor, James shows what that actually looks like, indeed. And my hope this morning, I want us to be mindful that it is important. It is important for us to profess the Lord Jesus and to have uh, or to be able to describe what we believe and why we believe it and so on and so forth. That is important. But James would remind us that that is not enough. It's not, uh, I'm not necessarily uh, concerned per se, or I'm not 
overly impressed with folks outside of this church knowing it, what it is that we believe. They should know that, but they should also see what it is that we are doing, which is based on our beliefs. And James, I believe, communicates that to us in a variety of ways. But that said, I want to, I want to, uh, to remind you, James is uh, considered uh, to be the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is some debate uh, in the church world about uh, whether or not this is him, but most folks would uh, agree to that, at least in our particular circles. And he is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem, uh, which was perhaps the earliest church, uh, was a church that was enduring a lot. Obviously, Jerusalem being the place where Christ himself uh, would be crucified uh, and, of course, rejected. And now here is a church that is being established in this very place. If you read through Paul's letter, specifically Corinthians, you will see that Jerusalem was a church that was not very well off. Uh, in terms of its resources. And so the Apostle Paul would go around and he was raising money for uh, the folks in Jerusalem. Because again, this was not a very well-off church, albeit important. Uh, and at the same time, many of the folks there were enduring uh, persecution. But James in particular, not only is he mindful, of course, of the audience in which he's responsible for, but he's also thinking about the, his fellow Jews who are scattered who are living in a variety of areas, who themselves are going through trials and tribulations. And for James, even though you are going through specific trials and tribulations, you are still called to not only profess your faith, but to live out your faith in a way that honors the Lord himself. Now, James says, specifically in verse 27, he starts off, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Now, let me stop there. Because if you look deeply just at that phrase itself, there is an implication. He is implying that there is also a faith or a religion that God does not accept, does not smile upon, does not embrace. As a matter of fact, when you read through the prophets, you will see this often. God is not pleased with your prayers. God does not accept your sacrifices. Why? Because these are empty rituals. And the reality is your heart is far from God. But James is communicating that God is pleased with a certain type of faith, with a certain type of religion. And again, it is about professing the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not be afraid, we should not be ashamed to declare in our day and time that we are a church that worships the risen Savior. We are a church that believes that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised for our justification. And though we may not see him physically, we believe we will see him one day. We should not be afraid to profess that. We should not be afraid to claim that, even though we may be frowned upon or looked down upon or made fun of. We should stand strong in our professions of faith. But again, 
declaring Christ is one thing. Living out your profession of faith is another. And James ties pure religion. He ties undefiled religion with their actions toward others. In this verse, he talks about visiting orphans and widows. And it is a verse that we often run to to validate our ministries to orphans and widows, and rightly so. But if you dig behind the context, this is an issue that was prominent in James' day. For a variety of reasons, depending on who you study and who you ask. But James is thinking about a specific issue of his day that folks were enduring and caused great deals of affliction. And of course, we should be engaged in visiting orphans and widows. Amen? But digging a little deeper, who are those amongst us that are afflicted? Another way of asking that is, what are the afflictions, not only of our community, but what are the afflictions that folks in here may be experiencing? And how is it that we are loving and serving one another in the midst of our afflictions? It's a scary thing to think or to believe that you can come to a church Seeing with brothers and sisters, say hello to one another, but yet not feel loved nor cared for by one another. Again, I know family can be messy. I know the more we see each other and the more we interact with each other, the more we learn about each other, the more complexity there is and the issues may arise. And it's not easy to love and to care for one another. That is our calling. I can't simply just call you brother or sister without treating you like a brother or sister. I cannot call Jesus Lord and not treat him as if he is actually my Lord. And James is reminding the people, if you want to please God, if you are interested in knowing what it is that makes God smile, if you want to know what it is that God himself looks upon with favor, it's not simply that you are calling on the name of God, but it is how you are interacting with those who are afflict, uh, afflicted amongst you. And I want us to make sure that we are doing our best to be mindful of those who are suffering in our midst, whether they be widows, whether they be orphans, whatever the affliction may be, are we honoring God by visiting those, by interacting with those who may be down and out for whatever reason? Of course, there is a way to do that and there is a way not to do that. Perhaps we'll address that in another setting, but who is it in this body, perhaps? Who is it in this community? Who is it in your neighborhood that you know is afflicted for whatever reason? And how are you honoring God by your interactions with them? I confess to you, this is a challenge uh, for me in this very moment. 
I told my wife this. She's the only one who knows this. We were out yesterday trying to uh, cut our yard. The grass had gotten a little out of hand. And so what should have been a 20, 25-minute job took about an hour. But it was good exercise. Amen, boo? Some of you, by the way, have been to the house, but you won't know who this was because I won't speak directly to it. But as I was out and about moving around, I overheard a couple, uh, a white couple. They didn't know I was around, but I heard them using the N-word in a bad way. And I hadn't actually seen this couple, but I, I, I know where they were coming from. And my heart and my mind, I, I wrestled. There was a part of me, my flesh, that, okay, do, do I say something or do I just outright avoid them? And then there's a part of me that also said, well, what? is the response that Christ may have. And maybe Christ would have called them out. Well, I think Christ probably would. But, but I, I was wrestling how, and you know, are these folks suffering for something? What's the affliction that they have going on that would cause them perhaps to act the way or to say the things they're saying? And how is it that, that I engage them with that? Now, that was quite an issue for me and for my wife. And we're still processing and we're still wrestling and trying to think about how to address that. But I am also reminded that it's not enough for me to say, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. How do I show that even to these particular folks? who I am assuming something is not right for the fact that they can do that. Now, that may be somewhat extreme, but regardless of what it is, you and I have a responsibility toward the afflicted. You and I have a responsibility to seek out, to love, to listen to, to be mindful of, to be present for those who are going through something. And that's really what I want us to be. That's one of the things I want us to be known for. That is a church that sings well. There's a good sermon here and there. There's good youth ministry. There's all of these things that you would naturally associate perhaps with a church. But that is a church that loves on folks who are hurting. That is a church that is present for those who are in pain. That is a church where folks who are down and out feel like they can go and be cared for and loved upon regardless of the affliction. That's what I want us to be mind or known for in many ways. Now, James doesn't stop there. 
James doesn't simply say, you know what, you want to please God? You want to know what makes God smile, what makes God uh, pleased? Well, go out and serve those who are afflicted. In his particular case, orphans and widows. But he goes on. And he says at the end of the verse, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To keep oneself unstained. See the word play. The beginning of verse 27. Religion that is pure. Undefiled. And then at the end of the verse. We must also keep ourselves unstained. From the world. Now this is a a, a tricky verse. And uh, depending on how. Who you follow. You'll, you'll hear this uh, part of the verse uh, used in a variety of ways. But, but James recognizes that, that uh, his context in which he's living in, there's so much out there that's competing for the believer's attentions. And of course, that would be the case with us as well. And in his case, folks were being persecuted and killed and murdered or imprisoned for, well, for one, for their faith, uh, which, of course, because they would not turn or embrace the worldly way of doing things that ran contrary to the faith. And many folks were tempted to go back on their profession of faith because of the trial and the tribulations that they were enduring. And if I'm going to go through X, Y, and Z, what I'm going to do, uh, instead of this pain, instead of these trials, I am going to go the way of the world. And while we, in our specific context, may not be facing death for our faith, some of us will face ridicule. You may lose friends. You may lose family or whatever it may be. And if we tell the truth, that stuff can be hard. And sometimes we may do our best to avoid that. And we may compromise our faith. I don't want to lose a friend or I don't want to lose a family member or maybe I don't want to lose a job. And so I'll I'll just do the bare minimum or proclaim the bare minimum of my faith and I'll tell the world what it is they want to hear. And then you become uh, playing both sides of the fence. James wants us to be mindful that Christ has given us the blueprint. Christ has called us to follow him, to seek him, to become like him, to do what it is he would have us to do. And when the world says otherwise, we have to be careful of going the way of the world. And again, I know we're living an interesting day and time and and the church is being pulled in each and every direction. And, and on some level, the church no longer looks like what you would think a church should look like, except for a name. But yet, James says, we are to keep ourselves unstained from the world. When people see you, do they see a follower of Christ? When people see you, I'm not talking about how you dress or uh, even per se the words you use or the language.
language or whatnot. But, but is there something about you? Is there something about us as a church where people see Christ? Or do they just see another institution that claims the name of Jesus but looks like the world? We have to be careful of that. And again, that is a complex situation and subject that I can't go fully into right now. But as we prepare to close and as we think about the future of the church, I want us to be mindful that, again, we are called to be followers of Christ. And we will follow him regardless of what the world says or what the world thinks. We will follow Christ and we will do what we can. Of course, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, we will follow Christ. But then also let us, let it, let us be mindful that we cannot be a church that's simply about proclaiming our confessions of faith, what it is we believe, our doctrines and so on and so forth. But these things must be seen in action. And specifically how we interact with those who are struggling. And why is it that we should do this? It's because of what Christ has done for us. Some of us perhaps are not as interactive with others who are in pain because we fail to appreciate what it is Jesus has done for us. If we come to embrace and if we come to appreciate the fact that Christ met us in our need, when Christ met us in our affliction, how Christ has met us when no one else would meet us. Perhaps that will spark within us a desire to go out and interact with those who are where we once were. Let us ask the Lord to help us with these things. Let us ask the Spirit to not only give us proper professions of faith, but help us to identify and to recognize those who are suffering. To help us go out and love and care and to serve those who are in affliction and pain. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to help us stand strong in our faith and to be shaped and influenced by the word as opposed to the world. And as we ask him to do that, may he provide for us. Amen? Father, we bless your holy name. And Father, as we continue to think about the next season in the life of this church, we pray, Father, that your spirit would guide us. We thank you for the reminder that James gives to us. Lord, we want to be pleasing in your sight. We want our worship. We want our actions to be acceptable to you in Jesus. We want, Lord, for you to smile upon us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be a church that is not only known for what we profess, but is known for how we care for those in need. Help us, Lord, to be a church that is influenced and guided by your spirit, Help us to not be stained by the world, for you've called us to live within it. 
but you call us, Lord, to be like you. And so, Father, help us with these things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.